0: Good evening, everyone. Glad you all are here. If you're watching online, we are glad you're here as well. Whether you're watching today, tomorrow, next week, or whenever, uh, let's pray and we'll jump right in. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and watch on our life. We glorify you, magnify you, and honor you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it changes our life forever. We ask the Holy Spirit that the word just jumps off the page and into our spirit. It causes us to be different. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We were going to do this last week, but as you all know, we had a little incident. And uh, so I wanted to jump in this this week. We're still in our series called Citizens of the Kingdom. And there's different things you're going to see, different things you're going to uh, you, you get out of this. But, you know, Pastor Ted, the last time he preached, he, he uh, sent me his notes so I could put them on the YouVersion app so that people could have his notes. And he titled his um, The Household of the, of the Kingdom. And uh, these notes are on version. If you use it, uh, you can go and save them there. But um, so when he did, uh, something immediately jumped up in my spirit, and we will uh, get there uh, at some point. But first off, I want, if you will, go to Colossians chapter one, verse 13. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. You ready? All right. He said, and he has delivered us from the power of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, you have heard this verse a million times through this series and you'll probably hear it a million times more until we decide to move on to something else because we have to realize, Christianity is never meant to be a religion. When Jesus came, he didn't come to set up a new religion. He didn't come to set up a new religious order. Um, Matter of fact, someone just uh, told me a story about a a man I know real well and I won't mention him because he has been watching us. but he went to his church and uh, somebody asked him who was Jesus or what was Jesus. And everybody had all these other uh, things. And he looked at him and he said, a politician. He said, a politician? He said, yeah, because he came to set up a kingdom. The, the word says that the governments of the world will be on his shoulders And so when he uh, was talking about that, he said, listen, I believe that we need to start looking at the kingdom more. And what we need to understand about our Christianity, about our salvation, about who we are, is we were, everybody say were. Were. What does were mean? Past past tense. tense. We got some smart folks. (laughs) We were (laughs) uh, in the kingdom of darkness, but we are now have been translated, transferred. That's that ED. You know what that ED means? It means it's already done. So we've been transferred into the kingdom of his dear son. Go to verse 12. Let's just read these again. Uh, verse Colossians, uh, same chapter, just jump down to verse 12. He said, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled us to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in light. So now we are partakers of the inheritance of the saints. In other words, everything that God has, He made us to be partakers in inheriting that. I don't get. I don't, you don't get it. You have been given an inheritance of the kingdom of God. That is your inheritance. Not just uh, it, coming to Christ was not just to get out a hell-free card. It was about you receiving an inheritance of the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is your inheritance. And if it's your inheritance, it's yours to use. And if it's yours to use, it's yours to go into the kingdom. When I walk into my father's house, I don't ask him if I if I can get something out of the refrigerator. I just go and I get. You know, and uh and if I don't, if it, if they don't have it, Kevin, in about ten minutes, I just have to wait long enough. My mom will tell dad, "Why don't you go to the Kroger?" Because the son needs something, and it's and the father should provide. Come on. So what he did is he transferred us into the kingdom and said, "Now whatever the sons or daughters need, it becomes the 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 the." the responsibility of the king to provide. And so what is this? This is our inheritance. Our inheritance is everything that the king holds. Now look at verse 13 again. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. See, God not only made a way for us to be citizens, but he made a way for us to be inheritance receivers. See, God's not wanting a bunch of citizens. Citizens, they don't don't have to like where they are. Every election that comes around, Kevin, you hear it. If so-and-so wins, we're packing up and we're leaving the country. And they never do few ever do, but that's the thing. If so-and-so wins, we're leaving the country. We're leaving the country. You see, they're citizens of the country, but they don't have exactly what we have. See, when God brought us into the kingdom, he and gave us the inheritance. So we're not just citizens who sit around and take orders and listen to this. He gave us the rights and the ability to operate as kings and priests in his kingdom because he has made us to be exactly who he was. Mm. So the problem with citizens who are family is we don't think we belong here. i say it again. We are citizens, uh, yes, but we're also the royal family. The problem with us is, and why we have trouble receiving things from God, is we don't think we belong here. We say things... This is going to tick a lot of people off and I'm okay with that. We say crazy things like I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You know what that tells me you think of yourself? Well, I, I, by the skin of my teeth somehow I don't deserve it. I, didn't, I don't have a right to it. It's not, no, that's not how a, a prince or a princess thinks about, that's not how a king or a queen thinks about being in the kingdom. They don't, well, you know, I'm really nobody, but thank goodness my daddy was the king and so I get to stay in the kingdom. No, they know they belong there and they operate like they belong there. They know that when their word, when they speak a word, it has to be followed. Our problem is, is we think we don't belong here and so we call ourselves sinners. Listen, you should never refer to yourself as a sinner. Yeah, but we all have Adam's nature. We're going to get to that later. Because we don't have Adam's nature. You do not have Adam's nature anymore. You, oh, you do not. I'm going to get there, I promise. You do not have a sin nature. Oh, I'm trying, I'm getting so far ahead of myself. We say things like, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve such a great self. And we think this makes us look humble. It doesn't make you look humble. It makes you look like you don't know who you really are. Because you do deserve this. He made you an inheritor. You have the inheritance of the kingdom. You, When you think about children of kings, they don't walk around going, I really don't deserve. No, they know I am the son, I am the daughter of a king. I have been brought in. Yeah, but I used to be. Yeah, that's what I was. But that piece of me is dead. That piece of me is no more. That, that's why it says that we are a new creature. A new creation. Something that has never, ever been. <laughs> I'm just a nobody. Here's the one. Have you ever heard this one? If I just get to heaven and if I can just be a doorkeeper... If I can just be a gatekeeper in heaven, then that's it. I just want a shack. I don't need a mansion. Last time I checked and read the word, there's nowhere in the word where he said he made a shack for anybody. He only builds mansions. He only builds places that the, those who deserve it. Mm-hmm. He don't build shacks. Well, I'm going to build this little shack over here because Carrie's just not quite good enough. No. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, behold, I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you are at home at. Where I am, there you may be also. He is not trying to build shacks for bums. He builds mansions for kings. Glory to God. And so this is the benefits of being part of the family of the kingdom. And I'm not I'm not going to be a doorkeeper. <laughs> Why in the world would we want to be a doorkeeper in a place where it says the de- gates are never shut? <laughs> okay. We say these things because we don't realize and we don't recognize that he has made us princes when we think we're just paupers. He has made us princes, princesses, and we think we're just paupers. Folks, there's nowhere in the word that you'll find that you are now post-Christ a pauper. Post-receiving Christ in your life, you can't find what's a pauper if you don't know what a pauper is. A pauper is a poor person. Uh, particularly one so indignant as to depend on the parish or the town for maintenance. That's what we think we are. I am so indignant, there is nothing about me that I can't make it. And so God, in his infinite wisdom, had pity on me. And it's only because of the... God didn't... Jesus did not look at the cross out of pity for you what's the word say it says for the joy set before him he endured the cross he went to the cross not out of anger not out of pity not out of of being woe he went there with joy oh my goodness He said, for the joy set before them, he endured the cross. It was his pleasure to submit to our twisted idea of what justice would be. And he went to the cross just out of pure joy, knowing that he would have you as a family member. We sing this song all the time. You didn't want heaven without me, so you brought heaven down. He didn't want it without you. And so it wasn't out of pity that you're saved and that you're an inheritance. It was out of sheer joy that he says, I will go and pay a penalty that they can't pay on their own. I will go and set them up with the plan that has been set up from the foundation of the world. I'll go because they are part of the family. Job chapter 15. Oh, I'm not destitute, I'm not worthless, I'm not dead in my sins, I am not without hope. Mm. But here's, here's a lot of our mentality, Kevin. Job chapter 15, verse 14. What is man that he should be clean? He which is born of a woman that he should be righteous. Behold, he putteth no trust in his saints. Yea, the heavens are not clean in his sights. How much more abominable and filthy is man, which drinketh iniquity like water. And that's why most of us think of ourselves. Yeah, but pastor, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I did. And you don't know who I did it with. You don't understand, I have done some of the worst things that you could ever imagine. No one can forgive me. I can't even forgive myself. It's a good thing salvation doesn't depend on you forgiving yourself. Amen. I'll amen myself. It's a good thing that your salvation doesn't depend on you forgiving yourself. It's all about his forgiveness. It's all about what he did. We're, this, this position in the kingdom that you and I share is all about what someone else did and nothing about what we did to get it. We could do nothing else, but what do we do? We think of ourselves like Job. We think of ourselves like Job. How much more abominable and filthy is man? Go to chapter 25 of Job. Job went through a time where he just started thinking of himself like this. Well, yeah, but you see what God did to Job. God didn't do anything to Job. Chapter three of Job, don't look it up yet. You can look it up later. Tells us exactly why what happened to Job happened to Job. And Job says, that which I have greatly feared has come upon me. His fear was the only area that he could get into Job's life. Fear. Fear. We'll have to preach on that someday soon. On overcoming a spirit of fear. Because you don't have to have it. You're being set free. But Job 25, look at Job. He still goes on. He says, how then can man be righteous with God? Or how can he who was born of a woman be clean? Behold, even the moon does not shine and the stars are not pure in his sight. How much less... Man, who is a maggot and the son of man who is a worm am I the only one that's ever felt like that about myself I find myself telling God I'll never do it again I'll never do it again I'll never do it again God I did it again God I'm just a worm I'm just a maggot I'm nothing I don't deserve this (laughs) it's not about what you've done Oh, better not get into that one yet. Um, (laughs) Go to John chapter 8. We have to get past the point. If you really want to live victorious in your life, and I wish I could tell you, Monica, that I do this perfect all the time. I don't, okay? But if we want to live, Dave, victorious like this in our lives, we're going to have to get rid of this loathsome, loathsome thoughts that we don't deserve God's love. You're, that, that is a lie straight from hell. You're worried about going to hell. Some people are living in it because they can't get out of their own head that they don't believe they deserve God's love. They, I'm not a child of God. I hope to be. I hope I make it. I hope I make it. Well, how long have you been serving God? I've been serving God for 50 years and I just hope I'm good enough. You never were good enough. But good thing is it's not based on how good you are. Ah, it's not bad. You are a fan. My, my children can do some of the, well, they're adults now, but they've done some of the dumbest stuff. And I've been so mad at them. But not one time did I ever tell them not to come home. <laughs> not one time did I say, get out of my house. Would there ever come a time? Maybe, but you know what I'll do as a dad? I'll stand on the porch And I'll watch and I'll look down the road and I'll wait for that one who told me that they didn't love me, who told me that they wished I was dead. You see, that's what the prodigal son did. When he said, I want my inheritance, inheritance comes after you're dead. He looked at his father and said, I wish you were dead. Give me what's mine now because you're dead. And the word says that he watched for him. He watched for him. Why? Because once you've been brought into the family, you're always belonging to the family. It, this is like other things that you see on TV. You once in, blood, oh, blood got us in and nothing's taken us out. You were forever part of this family. But what if I don't want to live in it? Well, that's your craziness. I don't know what's up with you. John chapter eight. John chapter eight. Verse 43, why do you not understand my, now this is Jesus talking here. He says, why do you not understand my speaking? Because you cannot beat, beat, you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil. And you want and do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. What was Jesus talking to him about? He says, why can't you just listen to what I'm telling you? Listen to my words. Listen to the things that I have got to say because... You are not subject to the power of the enemy in your spirit. Where you're subject to the power of the enemy is in your soul. You know there's a difference between your spirit and your soul, right? Your spirit is the eternal part of you that God breathed. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. And that's where the enemy works on you. And what usually happens when uh, when I go out here and start uh, doing a bunch of sin is because my flesh has decided to team up with my soul. And my soul is believing the lies of the enemy. And it's time that we become spirit-led people rather than soul-led people. You can't trust your heart, folks. (laughs) It'll lie to you. But Jesus says, why can't you bear my words? You're listening to this guy, he's cruel and a vicious father, and he is the fa- he's doing nothing but lying to you, and you find it hard to believe my words. Isn't it funny how we find it so easy to believe that we're not worthy, that we don't count, that we're less than, that we're worms, we're maggots, we're dogs, we're filthy, we're dirty, And we can believe that with such ease but when Jesus come and said you have a father in heaven and I've come to reveal my father to you and when you see me you've seen the father and I have made you worthy and you have been translated into the kingdom of the son and you walk in the authority of God and he says let this mind be in you which is also in Christ. We have a hard time believing the truth. Why is that? It's easier to believe the bad. That's why people hear things on people and they believe it so often. Go to Isaiah 64. I'm gonna get to the good stuff in a minute. This is simply a continuation of what I preached Sunday. It just happened to work out that way. Isaiah 64 verse six. But we, are, but we all are as an unclean thing. And all our righteousness is as filthy rags. And we all fade as a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Well, all our righteousness, yeah, that's all your righteousness is filthy rags. Your righteousness. But guess what? You don't carry your righteousness you don't operate on your righteousness. See, your righteousness died on the cross. Your righteousness was buried with Christ. Your righteousness went to hell with Christ. You do know that Jesus went into hell, right? So all the things that made you... your ability to make yourself right with God, he crucified it, he buried it, and he took it straight to hell. And for three days, he worked that out for you. Why? Because he went as a man so that he could bring his family along with him in victory. And, oh my goodness, folks. Mm. Now, I made a statement earlier, and this is where people... They have a hard time, Pastor Ted, is I don't have a sin nature. Well, we all have got Adam's nature. Is it okay if I tell you no? Is it it better if I show it to you? Go to 1 Peter. This is the family of the king. We're not operating as citizens only. We are royal family. You are a peculiar people a royal priesthood look at, at verse uh, 9 here in 1st peter chapter 2 but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people of God for God's own possession so that you may declare the goodness of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What's he tell you about yourself there? He, you are royal. You are chosen. You are holy. And you are God's possession. Why? So that you can declare to others that he pulled you out of darkness and set you into his light. And, <laughs> and there is not a thing you did to earn it. There's not a thing you did to control it. There's not a thing you did to get it. All you had to do was say yes to a salvation that was already finished. My goodness, folks. Say yes to a salvation that was already finished. Verse 10, in times past, you were not a people. Why do we live in the past? We live in that past place, Jeff. Jeff. We live in that past of, I'm a worm, I'm a magnet, I'm, I'm lost. I just want to be a doorkeeper. I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. Uh, you know, we, we live in the past. And he said, yeah, one time, that's where you were. But now, what, what, what about me now? But now, you are the people of God. You have not received mercy, but now... You have received mercy. Folks, I want to encourage you to quit living in your past. Your past no longer exists. The word says that he takes our sins and casts them into a depth of the sea. And the word says that he remembers them no more. Why? Because he doesn't remember anything about you that separated you from him. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. The only thing he remembers about you is the word yes. <laughs> and because of that word, he is taking you out of darkness and put you into his light. And because of that word, he has made you chosen. He has made you holy. He has made you royal. Quit living in the past of your sin and realize that part of you no longer exists. And you deserve to be in the house of God. You deserve to be in the house of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This chapter And I say it all the time when I read it, and you all have probably heard me read it a thousand times. Well, maybe not that much, but you know. This changed my life when I understood When the Holy Spirit came down and checked me and turned the light on, I was reading this chapter, and it changed everything. My theology completely twisted because everything I thought I knew about God, everything I thought about what I knew about my unholy self changed in the blink of an eye look what he says here therefore if any man is in christ he is a new creature if i am a new creature what was me before christ no longer exists so why do i keep bringing it up why do i keep trying to live in it why do i keep feeling guilty over something that no longer exists and that God himself has chosen never to remember again. Well, I just I can't help but feel guilty. Yes, you can. You're believing the lie. You're believing the father of lies. And Jesus says, why are you having such a hard time hearing my word? Why are you having a hard time believing what I have to say about you? Godfrey sings that song. Do you believe what I believe about you? The Problem is, we don't believe what God believes about us. And so we want to remind him, but let me tell you how bad I was, God. Don't you remember? No. But I did this, and it was really, really bad. Don't you remember? No. But I just did it yesterday. But you asked for forgiveness, right? Yeah, I don't remember it. Do you realize that when we come before him with the forgiveness and repentance, changing of our minds in our mouths and in our hearts, he remembers only that we said yes to him. And I know we have a hard time with this, but we have to understand what it really means to be a new creature. That means you, what you are now, spiritually, didn't exist before. Mm Mm-hmm. Look at all things have become new. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Verse 18. And all this is from God who has. Again, what's has? Past tense. Who has reconciled us to himself. I'm holy. I'm chosen. I'm royal. And I have already been reconciled back to God. I'm not trying to make myself good enough for God. I'm not trying to get right with God. I'm already right with God. Gosh, get this. This will set you free. It will cause all the old things that you try to live with, that old zombie nature. It will fall off of you the moment you realize I am reconciled with God. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. Verse uh, 18. All this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, are you ready? That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. We don't understand the importance of this because we hear things Because we don't know enough about the word and we've been taught that God is so afraid of our little sins that when Jesus hung on the cross that God couldn't look at him no more and he turned his back on him and so Jesus cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did you leave me? This verse tells me right there that God didn't leave Jesus. Well, if we really believe in this Trinity lifestyle that they are all one and they are all equal, they couldn't be separated. The cross itself couldn't separate them. So God was in Christ reconciled, bringing the whole world, ah, reconciling the world back to him. He always had a desire for the family of the kingdom. He don't want blind citizens following. He wants a relational people who realize they're chosen, they're holy, they're royal, and they're right with God right now. And they're not hanging on to the things of the past, Thank you. Hmm, but have decided to move forward. It was God in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Here's where it gets real good. You ready? Ready? King James Version says, "Not imputing their sins against them." But you know what that word "imputing" means, and I've got a series I want to do on this verse, and I've on this, but I've been kind of afraid to. That word "imputing" means this way, and I love how the uh, the modern English says it: "Not counting their sins against them." You know why he didn't count my sins against me? Because Jesus was carrying him on the cross. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting my sins against me, but Christ had crucified all of my sin. On the cross, he was doing away with sin. He did away with sin. Then why do we still sin? Because we still try to live in the past. We still think we have to. Well, I can't help it. Yes, you can. <laughs> if you realize you're holy. See, this great big grace that we talk about, it never excuses us from sin, but it gives us to live the ability to live free from sin. You don't have to live in sin. You don't have to you don't have to sin. How do I know? Because God's not counting my sins against me. And has entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 20. So we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. Now now you gotta get this. Verse 21. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Now this is a little controversial and some people don't like it, but the word says what it says. He did more than just carry our sins. From the moment of his baptism to the moment of the crucifixion, he carried our sins. If you put the old, I've preached on it in here. The old and the new together. This is why as soon as he was baptized, he came up and went into the the wilderness. It's an exact replica of what they did with the scapegoat in the Old Testament. So from his baptism until crucifixion, he carried sin. But at crucifixion, he destroyed sin. How did he destroy sin? Let's go back to verse 21. And God made him. Who knew no sin to what? To be sin. In God Himself, well, He can't look on sin. God was in Christ as He became sin. Don't tell me He can't. He's not afraid of your little sin. He's not afraid of the things that you've done. He's not afraid of that. Oh, I can't look at that. No, he said, matter of fact, we're going to do this together. We're going to go to the cross and we are going to cause you. You will become sin. And so sin was nailed to the cross. Oh, my gosh. You don't have to live, it's been destroyed. We keep going back there and pumping it up. I got a paramedic right there. We keep trying to paramedic this. We keep trying to paramedic our old nature back so that we can live in it. And it's causing us to stink because we're carrying around a dead thing. It should have been left buried because he didn't remember it. Why in the world do you keep going back and digging it up? Oh my. And he made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Folks, you as a believer are no longer a sinner. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You can't be a sinner and saved at the same time. So you need to make up your mind, what are you? You can't realize, by me going around saying something dumb... I'm telling you, Idra, I cringe when I hear people say it. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Be around me. I go, I mean, I, I literally cringe because do you realize your mouth makes a declaration that creates your destiny? I am a sinner saved by grace. You're confused. You can't be both. So which are you declaring over your life? Uh, yeah, this will get us emails. And if God was in Christ and now has brought us into part of the family, why do we think that we still don't belong? Jesus, the word tells us that He took off all His glory and became a pauper. He became flesh led and overcame flesh. (laughs) He had, listen, think of the worst sin you can think of right now or what you think is the worst. Exactly that. You got it? The worst. Jesus was tempted to do that exact thing and didn't do it so that you can know you don't have to do it either. Because being part of the family brought you above what sin could ever bring up in you. You don't have to do it. He was tempted, the word says, he was tempted in every way, just like man. See, we don't like to think of Jesus this way. We don't like to think, well, Jesus wasn't tempted to do. Yes, he was. Or else he would have failed as a substitute. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. The problem with most Christians is we don't believe this about ourselves. How do I know we don't believe it? Because there's usually a rotating door that happens in most churches. Come in, fired up, fired up, fired up, and six months later, they've been gone. Why? Continuing to live in addiction, continuing to live in hurt, continuing to live in unforgiveness, continuing to live sin, a sin that's already been destroyed. So they've they've dug this thing up and they're carrying it around and now their whole life stinks because they're carrying around something that's dead, that they're not even meant to be carrying anymore because Jesus himself became that thing for you. Are you with me? Yes. We it's it's time to get a little deeper in your understanding of salvation. We have been we Is it okay, Kevin? We have been sold a very cheap salvation. We have been sold a very cheap salvation that we think God is just so flippant. Here today, not tomorrow. Here today, not tomorrow. And we go and we pick the daisies. He loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me. And we live our lives that way, wondering if he loves me. But he says, Why do you have such a hard time believing my words? You are chosen, you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You were chosen. You were holy. You are royal. You are reconciled. You are in right standing with God. You are the righteousness of God. Quit picking the daisy and know right now that He loves you. You are part of the family. You are His inheritance, and His inheritance belongs to you. My goodness. Well, you're just saying we can live any old way we wanna live, didn't say that. Knowing how much that he's done for me makes me not want to live like I did. It makes me wanna stay away from that, not run to it because it stinks. If you've lived in sin long enough, you know it stinks, it smells. You feel rotten, you feel dirty, and we think, oh, uh, this is fun. Well, the word says there's pleasure in it for a season. Weekend with Bernie's was funny the first time. (laughs) Come on, you know what I mean by that. That's our sin. It's dead. It's buried. We should have already been in the ground, but we want to carry it around. We want to party with it a little while longer. Oh, my gosh. Colossians chapter one. Let's read those again. (laughs) <laughs> y'all okay I'm not, I'm not getting in a hurry Colossians chapter tw- 1 verse 12 giving thanks to God who has enabled us to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in light he has delivered us from the power of darkness that means the darkness has no power over you well, I just can't help it. The temptation was so strong. No, it wasn't. It has no power over you anymore. Then why do I keep doing it? Because you keep choosing to do it. And you don't have to choose to do it, Kathy. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his, son, of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. See, my redemption has nothing to do with me. It's his blood that brought me redemption. Go to 1 John chapter (laughs) three. So if darkness has no power over me, sin has no power over me, folks, do you realize how victorious we are? Yeah. Yeah, but I have not been a good person. Welcome to humanity. None of us were, but Jesus. But Jesus I'm still gonna get to the point where I'm telling you you don't have sin nature. And I, I know there's people twitching. First John chapter three, verse one. Consider how much love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. That's who you are. You're as much a son and daughter of God as Jesus himself. Well, you can't say that. Yes, I can. He don't make a difference in children. You know what? My relationship with Reese as my son is just as strong as my relationship with Sidney as is my daughter. They're just my children. Oh, my goodness. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, everybody say "Now." now. Are we children of God? Now, right now. But what if I blow it tomorrow? Now, right now. But what if I pick up that zombie and breathe life back into him for a little bit? Now, right now. I'm a child of God. Do you think he's so scared of your little sin? You know, that's it. Can't look at it. You do realize when Jesus was said from the cross, Father, why have you forsaken me? he's actually quoting a psalm that they would recognize. And if you read that psalm that that was taken from, just a little bit after he says, you have forsaken me, it says, oh wait, you have not forsaken me. And now we know that God was in Christ reconciling the world. It's called deep dive, right? Beloved, now are we children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be because we don't see it. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. (laughs) For we shall see Him as He is. The only thing that stops us from being like Him now is we don't see Him for who He is. We still see ourselves separated. He's there, all holy and might, and we're here, lowly and worm, and we think that we can't be there. Folks, you don't have to wait to have victory over Satan. You are God's children now. You've been brought into the kingdom now, and most Christians, when they talk about how hard it is of a struggle they're having, is we fail to realize the victory that's already been given to us. We are no longer the same. You the fullness of this scripture is in you now. but somewhere down the line, people taught us to be conscious of sin. And we are more sin-conscious than we are Christ-conscious. We're more sin-conscious than we are cross-conscious. We're more sin-conscious than we are resurrection-conscious. We're more sin conscious than we are victorious conscious. And so we, conscious, we consciously focus on sin, 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 sin. Why do we preach sin all the time? Uh, we need some good old fashioned sin preaching. Why? That never won a victory over anybody. That'll get me in trouble. When did that change you? You know what'll change you? Is when you understand that you are chosen, you are holy, you are royal, you are reconciled. It has no power over you. There is no authority over you anymore. You have been set free because who the son sets free is free. Indeed, I don't have to live under the power. The power of darkness no longer holds a thing over me. I have been set free. And you didn't have to tell me I was a rotten, dirty, filthy scoundrel for me to understand it because I had nothing to do with it. Bob, all I did was say yes. <laughs> we taught people that they're worms and they're dogs and oh, if, they, if you make it to heaven, it'll be by the skin of your teeth. Anybody ever heard that one before? Guess what, you ain't got skin on your teeth. I'm not gonna barely make it. You're not gonna barely make it. Where we barely make it is living life thinking we're not forgiven, thinking we're not citizens, thinking we're not children of God now. I'm not a sinner anymore. Grace came. But we're all sinners by nature. We all have Adam's nature. No, you do not. I'm gonna let Kevin answer all the emails. All the Facebook messages. Ephesians chapter two. You realize you became a new creature. That means your nature changed. Ted, when you became a new creature, your nature changed the old nature of you is not in existence anymore. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. In other words, you didn't do nothing to get it. This is a gift. (laughs) Not of works. You did know not one work to earn salvation not of works lest any man should boast in other words if I could work to get into the family then I can brag what I did to get myself there and God said I know one is going to take my glory and so it's not going to be up to you to get yourself there So by faith, just coming and saying, yes, I was brought into the kingdom as a child of God, as a son, as a daughter of God, and it's nothing I did. It's not my works. Imagine if the church would grab this now and people would quit trying to work to stay in God's good graces. Well, I need to do something for God. Oh, I need to do something. Please let me do something. I need to do something for God. Why are you working so hard? If you want to do something for God, do it because you know how free you are. Not because you're trying to find something that he's already provided for you. (laughs) Mm. Oh. (laughs) For we, verse 10, so that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship. You didn't make yourself this way. He made you this. You are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus Mm. for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who were called the uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision in the flesh made by human hands, were at a time apart from Christ. There was a time when we were apart from Christ, but God was in Christ, reconciling the world back to himself. Mm -mm. Alienated from the citizenship of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. I used to... that was me. That was me. I agree. That's what the word says about me. It's what I was. It's not what I is. But now, verse 13, quit living in the past. But now in Christ, you who were formerly far away have been brought near. By the blood of Christ. Is God's workmanship so weak that it can't change our nature? Come on. Well, I still have the nature of Adam. I still have a sin nature. God's workmanship is so weak, are you with me, that it can't change the very course of your nature? No. Oh. Is Christ so imperfect? that those of us who are created in him cannot be fully delivered from sin in him? Please come. Please come on. And I say the answer to both of those is no, no, and more no. He is able, because we are now sons, we are now daughters, just like all the other kids in the kingdom, We are his creatures. We were created in Christ. We were brought near to God by the blood of Christ. We have been reconciled through Christ, not of myself. I can't brag about it. I can't boast about it. All I can do is say, thank you, God, that you brought me into your family. And because I am in your family, I cannot be separated. Oh. 2 Peter chapter, this is another one that changed me. 2 Peter chapter 1, I think. You ready? This is good, Edra. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His power gave me everything I need to be godly. Not everything I do to be godly because my righteousness is, is filthy rags. But his power gave me all things that I need that pertain to life and godliness. And through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. Verse four, you Ready? By which he has given to us exceeding great and precious promises, so that through these things you might become partakers of what? Somebody needs to say that real loud. You are a partaker of the divine nature. How can I be a partaker of the divine nature? and still hang on to an old nature. (laughs) That old nature's gone, Kathy, you know why? Because I'm a partaker of the divine nature now. He brought me into the kingdom, he brought me in as a child of his so that now he and I share the exact DNA. Yeah, but Adam's nature, who cares about Adam's nature? I don't worry about Adam's nature because the last Adam came. And the last Adam destroyed sin and death. And the last Adam took away the power of darkness. And the last Adam said, I will bring you into myself and not hold your sins against you. The last Adam says, you are now sons and daughters of God. And you are a partaker of my nature, not his. You're not his nature anymore. Jesus says, you're my nature. You mean I can just do anything I want? No. Why in the world do you want to roll around with something that stinks, that smells, that's going to hurt you? There's diseases in that. This will get scary when you start thinking about it. Because everything in our religious mindset says, no, 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 no. I'm just an old... Worthless, worm. I was. I absolutely was. But Jesus. But Jesus. He said that you might become partakers of the divine nature. Look, let's finish that verse. It's too good not to finish. And escape the corruption. I escaped corruption that is in the world through lust. Partakers of the divine nature. Folks, realize who you are. You're not just a citizen of the kingdom. You are the royalty of the kingdom. You are the chosen of the kingdom. You are the priesthood of the kingdom. You are the kings of the kingdom. And he doesn't remember your sin anymore. He's, it's destroyed. It's destroyed well, I just can't help but fall into it. This had nothing to do with you. All you had to do was say yes. 2 Samuel chapter nine, you don't have to look there. You can if you want to get an idea of what I'm talking about. This is story time. Saul and Jonathan had gone out to war. Word had come back that they had been killed. Well, Jonathan's servant was so afraid, he picked up Jonathan's son and he took off running. And in his run, he dropped, and Mephibosheth is his name. He dropped Mephibosheth and broke both his legs. And so for the rest of Mephibosheth's life, he lived lame, crippled. One day, David is now in the throne. Mephibosheth is living in a land called Lodabar. That, that name, Lodabar, it means barren, it means nothing good there. <laughs> and David sits back and he remembers one day, Man, I had a covenant with Jonathan. He said, I had a covenant with Jonathan and I need to honor this covenant. You see, when they made a covenant, in the, Old, in the Old Testament, what it was, that was a binding covenant for eternity. Yeah. That means if Rachel and I come into a covenant, and she, and and what I'm saying is, all, and this is, you can see this in marriage too. All of, everything I have is yours and everything you have is mine. We are coming completely. And if she dies, she's now mine. Hmm. Yeah. Because the covenant doesn't stop just between the two. It's a perpetual, everlasting covenant. So David is sitting back one day and he says, is there nobody left in Jonathan's house that I can honor for what Jonathan did? Not what they're doing now, but what Jonathan did. Jonathan made a covenant with me and I want to honor that covenant He said, yeah, he had an offspring. His servant came to him and said, he had an offspring. He's in Lodabar, he's a cripple. Now imagine, you live your life like Mephibosheth. All you ever hear is how David killed your daddy, your grandpa, and he's sitting in a kingdom that should be yours. (laughs) And here you sit with nothing, in a place that is barren, in a place that has nothing in it. Well, Mephibosheth is sitting there just ruining his days. And all of a sudden, there's a knock on the door. And somebody says, man, there is a whole company of people coming here and they're saying they're looking for you. He can't run. He can't get away. There's nothing he can do to stop this covenant fulfillment. There's nothing he can do to stop this covenant fulfillment from happening. (laughs) So they scoop up Mephibosheth and they take him to the palace. And David begins to tell him, because of the covenant I made with your dad, because of what your dad did, I am now gonna give you everything Up to half of the whole kingdom is now yours. And every evening, when it's time to eat, you don't even eat in your own house anymore. You come into the palace and you sit at my table and you eat for me. And then he looks at Ziba and he says, your sons, you and all you that served his father will now serve him all the days of his life. And the word tells us in in 2 Samuel chapter nine that for the rest of his days, Mephibosheth ate Uh, at the house of David, at the table of David, and it was nothing he did to get there. It was what someone did in a covenant relationship. There was a day when God came walking through the garden and Adam finally steps out from behind a bush. And he said, we heard you coming and we were naked so we hid ourselves. Well, who told you you were naked? He said, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. See, God right there begins to make a covenant with himself. Yeah, so good. <laughs> he said, your sons may die, but there'll be one that comes. And he'll crush the enemy under his heel. There is a fulfillment. And when Jesus came, he was the fulfillment of this covenant. That nothing we did, but only because of our relationship to the covenant maker. Only because Jesus took on a flesh suit and became just like us. Walked into a covenant with God, <laughs> that we now walk in a covenant relationship. That at every day of our lives we eat at the King's table, just like Mephibosheth, and there was nothing we could have done to stop it. The covenant was going to happen whether we wanted it or not, and nothing stopped because it's a perpetual covenant. Nothing's going to stop this covenant, and it is good. We see hints of it at Jesus' crucifixion. Pilate stands and says, what do you want me to do with this man? And the Jewish people make one of the biggest prophetic statements they could have ever made. Pilate says, I wash my hands of this man's blood. And they said, his blood be upon us and our children. And we all get this idea that for somehow they cursed themselves for killing Jesus. No, what they were saying is his blood that made that covenant from the foundation of time. That blood be on us and our children. It was a perpetual covenant. And now we, because of Christ, have been brought into this covenant. We have been brought into this place. And we sit at the table. Holy, righteous, reconciled we sit at the table as kings and priests and a royal nation and a chosen generation and no matter how much I said about him in my barren place and no matter how much I talked about him and no matter how much I hated him and no matter how much I did he still sent someone to catch me and to snatch me up because I was too crippled to even help myself. (laughs) And he made me family. So not only do we have the household of the kingdom, we are the family of the kingdom. And folks, until we see ourselves this way, we're always gonna struggle. You'll always struggle with sin because you think you have to. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. Father, let us grasp this with both hands. Let us sink this so deep into our spirits that it changes who we are permanently. Let us understand that what you have made us, that we are new creatures, that the sin nature passed when the last Adam dealt with it and we just thank you father that you help us remember that we can eat at your table not based on what we do not based on what we did but everything that you did from the beginning of time when you chose us in you from the foundation of the world in jesus name amen Hey.